Hey, everybody, and uh, sorry I'm a few minutes late. That happens rarely, but it will happen from time to time. As uh, you know, I've got a lawsuit going on, and there are times when I have to be on a phone call, or I've got to do this, or I've got to do that. And so I'm with you now. How are you? Let's talk about it. All right. Got NFL preseason football. And, you know, to me, the only thing I want as a Giants fan are no injuries. You know, I, I keep on talking about this over and over and over again. And th that to me is, you know, a good training camp. You know, that, that's what I want. That's a good training camp. Don't forget, Monday, 10 a.m. Pacific, all right, 1 o'clock Eastern, Iron Eagle. They'll be my guest, all right? That's Monday, the great Iron Eagle. Can't wait for that. All right. You know how this works. All right, I need a leadoff person. We'll get the show rolling. We got games going on right now across the uh, National Football League preseason schedule. The mighty New York Giants, who I root for, have six points. Detroit with three. It's the battle with the Giants and the Lions. Who's your team? They playing tonight? Green Bay, Cincinnati, Atlanta, Miami. Pittsburgh, Tampa, Washington, Cleveland, Denver is at Arizona. All right. Now, if you are a Raiders fan, Devontae Adams limped off the field during a joint practice with the Niners today and has a right leg injury. All right. We'll see. Don't know yet. But can you imagine the Raiders offense without Josh Jacobs? And without Devontae Adams, Josh McDaniel said after practice, quote, I don't think it was crazy serious. Better hope not. Better hope not. Can you imagine the Raiders without Adams for any period of time? Oh, boy. That would be brutal. That would be brutal. Be awful. A lot of people making uh, a lot of what they saw last night from C.J. Stroud. I'm not Texans, Stroud, certainly did not look good, but I'd be concerned if that happens over the next preseason game or two. That would then concern me. You know, that would certainly concern me. All right, what do you want to talk about today? You want to go football? You want to go something else? All right, what direction do you want to go in? I'm good with whatever you want, okay? So you let me know. We can talk. You know, we can we can go another direction as well. My podcast today, I talked about politics and sports. I've been very open about this. I hate talking about politics and sports. I've been warning everyone that this was going to happen. I, I talked about this before it happened. And I told you exactly what would happen if you started bringing politics and social issues into sports. And so I cover my podcast on that today. If you missed it, just go to If You Don't Like That. You can go to uh, grantnapier.com, if you don't like that.com, or your favorite podcast platform. So it's uh, right there for you. All right. It's right there for you. I, I hate it. I don't like it. You know, it's not enough to make me uh, turn it off. Although I did turn off the United States women's soccer team. I, I, I got done. I'm done. I'm not supporting them anymore. 
So I did make a decision. Now, would have I watched it anyway? Uh, yeah, I would have watched it a little of it. I would have. I'm not a soccer fan. You know, I watched the Men's World Cup a little bit. Not a lot, but I did watch it. I watched the Argentina-France final. Uh, I watched the U.S. and Netherlands. I watched a little of it. I did. But with the U.S. women's team, zero, zilch. Refused to turn on my television. So I did make a decision. I'm like, nope, crossing the line, enough is enough. It would take me a lot, and I mean a lot, to turn off the National Football League games. And I will tell you, being a Giants fan, and I've been very open about this, the fact that they don't have any messaging on the back of the helmets makes it much easier for me to digest. And there are many other teams in the NFL that also don't have any messaging on their helmets. But then there are many franchises that, you know, it's a joke. And that, that would bother me as a fan. That would bother me. You know, Dallas, there's no message on the helmets. Giants, no messaging on the helmets. All right? And other teams. But then you look at other, you know, you look, look at Buffalo. They got messages all over the place. And some other teams. I don't like it. I don't care for it. You know, I, that's not why I'm turning on the National Football League for it. So that's just me, though. A lot, you know, a lot of people, they don't care about that stuff. I care about it, but I don't care about it enough to say I'm not watching the game. I, I, I honestly cannot imagine me never not watching the National Football League. I mean, I've been literally going to games since I was age three. I mean, that's the, that's the truth. Okay? Like, I, I can't remember never we're not watching the NFL. I always watch the NFL. It's been a part of my life before I was really old enough to even remember watching it. So, I mean, it would take a lot for me not to watch. It would take a lot for me to watch. I turned off the uh, NBA. I turned off the NBA in the bubble. Again, I don't like the messaging. You know, I, I, I just don't. You know, I, and I, I wasn't going to watch the NBA anyway, but I did not watch the NBA. And I have, I've been very open about this. I applauded Adam Silver, the commissioner of the NBA, for coming out after the bubble and saying, you know what? In retrospect, we went too far. And we have to understand that there are a lot of people that just want to watch our games for watching the games without all of the messaging. You know, you turn on the bubble, right? It was Black Lives Matter everywhere in the background, on the court, on the graphics. And he said, you know what? We went too far. And the ratings showed that they went too far because nobody watched. And the commissioner said, we, we made a mistake. Just like Gary Bettman. Gary Bettman has come out, the commissioner of the National Hockey League, and said, you know what? We made a mistake. By asking our players to wear different types of warm-up jerseys, whether it's Pride Night or another night. He said, we're not doing that anymore. Good for him. You know what? Good for him. Doesn't mean you're not going to have Pride Night. Doesn't mean you're not going to have these other nights. But what he's saying is, not it will not be our players. Good for him. You know, that way you don't have a Clayton Kershaw situation with the Dodgers this year and other players. You don't do that to your employees. Okay? there's You don't do that to your employees. Plain and simple. Name me another company where you have to wear the rainbow colors to go to work during Pride Month. 
where you have to, where it's mandatory. Name me. Name me a business. All right. Name me a business where during Black History Month, you have to wear apparel for Black History Month. Name me a company where on the Chinese Lunar New Year, you have to wear apparel to work to celebrate that annual event. Name me. Right? And I can go on and on. We can list them all. Correct? So why do you have to do it in sports? Fans, the majority of fans don't want that. You know, they don't want it. So to me, it's pretty simple. Get rid of it. All right. Stop asking your players and start stop expecting your players to all fall in line uniformly. Nuh uh. Never gonna happen. And so the players that do not want to do it, you put them on an island and make them look bad. And then and then you look bad because they work for you. And then you have this political messaging that comes across, and you got this group that wants to protest. Then they ask their sponsors not to sponsor, and then you have a mess. So Gary Bettman said, Hey, here's the deal. Not we're not doing it anymore. Good for him. Good for him. It's exactly the way it should be. You know, if you as a organization want to have a night to honor your fan base, go ahead. That's great. Go for it. And then the fans that want to partake can, and the fans that don't, don't have to. Per perfect. I'm, I'm with that 100%. And if the players on their own free time want to go out in pride marches or they want to go rally for what have you, let them go do it. They're free to do that. Absolutely. 100%. Go for it. But not on the ice, not before the game. And the Dodgers, I mean, think about the pickle they got themselves into this summer. I mean, it was a PR nightmare for the Dodgers. It was a nightmare for them. I mean, when, when you're one-day Hall of Fame pitcher comes out and rips you as an organization, that is a bad, bad situation. And then you have a protest. Then you got people on that Friday night not going to the game. And, I mean, it was a nightmare. It was a joke. It was an absolute joke. So that's what happens when you're a French pro sports. And, oh, yeah, by the way, your bottom line is hurt. So there you have it. All right, what do you want to talk about today? All right, here we are on a Friday getting you ready for the weekend. We only have a couple of more weekends off. And then you got college football, the NFL, and we will be rolling right along. I'm looking forward to being in Sacramento for uh, quite a bit this fall. And Ryan and I are going to be doing a lot of content as it relates to the Kings and the NBA. So we're excited about that. We are really focusing in on this season, which we think could be pretty damn exciting for Sacramento. I mean, you think about last year, how exciting that was. Now, the Kings should be better this year. Now, again, I can't forecast injuries, and either can you, uh, but this should be a fun, fun season. The NBA schedule, we talked about, I talked about this, you know, with the Christmas Day games. And I, it's don't worry about the Kings not being on Christmas. I can't really argue with the 10 teams 
that are going to be playing on Christmas. I, I, I can't. I, I, I'm okay with that. You know, it's all about TV anyway, right? You know what? I know it. Everyone knows it. So, you know, when the schedule comes out, you know, I, I think the Kings are going to be on a minimum of 10 games. That's how I see it. I think a minimum of 10 games. You know, I really do. That's where I'm looking at it. Uh, maybe I'm being a little bit optimistic, but I think it's going to be a minimum of 10 games. We'll see. You know, speaking of the NBA Christmas Day schedule, you got to remember, you got games in the NFL on Christmas. And what happens when the NFL goes head to head with the NBA? The NBA squashes, or the NFL squashes the NBA. So you've got a whole bunch of games on Christmas Eve this year. And then you have three games on Christmas Day in the NFL. Raiders, Chiefs, Giants, Eagles, Ravens, 49ers. Those are your three games on Monday, December 25th. All right, so you got Raiders, Chiefs, you got, you know, assuming that Mahomes is upright, we know that's a big draw, big rivalry, although I don't think the Raiders will be good. Giants, Eagles, big rivalry, but, you know, I, I, both those teams, I think, would have to be in the mix to have everyone watch a night game. And I think Baltimore at San Francisco could be a hell of a game. So those are your games that are going head-to-head -head with the NBA, and they'll destroy the NBA, destroy them. All right, let's get to uh, some phone calls. Why don't we say uh, hello to Jerry? Jerry, how you doing, buddy? Hey, Grant. Thanks for taking my call, sir. How are you on this Friday? Uh, I'm very well, thank you. Grant, how excited are you that the NFL is back, my friend? I can't wait, man. I can't wait for week one. I mean, I live for it. I, it's, um, I, I, I don't know what else to say. I can't wait. I'm counting down the days. Grant, my wife tells me, you know, get your chores done on Friday and Saturday. You can have Sunday all by yourself. Uh, does the missus tell you the same thing? No, the missus never tells me anything on Sunday because <laughs> uh, for my whole life, it's been my job. And I'm go I, it's like I'm going to work. Have a nice day. Uh, you'll see me at about 9.55 in the morning, and then you won't see me again <laughs> until about 8.30 at night. Oh have a great God. day. Have a great day. Not once. No, I, I made it very clear. I, I work. That's my work. Okay. I'm not going on the radio. I'm not going on the radio Monday and going, hey, Grant, what'd you think of that great play in that Packers Bears game? Oh, well, you know, I didn't watch the game. My wife didn't let me watch the game because I had been watching too much football. Oh, no, no, no. It's like, uh, goodbye. We'll see you on Sunday night. Now, it's always been like that. Hey, listen, even when I was announcing the Kings games on Sundays, okay, Sunday night football, I had the game on in front of me. And if the Giants were playing, you I mean, I had. No, I had my producer. I'm like, hey, let me explain something to you right now. I made it very clear before I could watch the games on the phone on my phone. My producer knew. I'm like, hey, I need a monitor on the desk hooked up to the truck so I can watch the Giants game uh, on Sunday Night Football. They go, we get it. And you can ask Jerry Reynolds. Jerry couldn't believe it. I literally would be announcing a game with two monitors with the Kings game and a third monitor with the Giants game. And Jerry would be saying, how are you doing this? Because I didn't miss a play of either 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 one. I didn't miss a play of the Giants game. I didn't miss a play of the Kings game. Now, obviously, 
I couldn't miss a play at a Kings game. That's my job. You know, that's what I, that, that was, but I, I also oh watched God. the whole game. Grant, oh, yeah. did you, did you ever make a mistake, Grant, on the air, Grant? And I, you know what, I've probably watched a lot of your Kings games that you did broadcast that when you're watching the Giants games, you know what, you know what, I'm, you know, I'm a jury right there. I'm like, how the hell did you even do that? Paying attention to that and then watching the Kings game. How? It's an amazing, it, I'll tell you how, it took an amazing amount of concentration. It, it took, it took an absolute 100% laser focus. And I'm, I'm saying that because I can't make a mistake during a Kings game because that's my job. And I've got people watching me. And I remember, I'll never remember, I'll never forget this. I'm in Chicago sitting courtside wow. announcing the Kings Bulls on a Sunday. And I'm watching the Giants game uh, on my phone. And during a timeout, I heard a whole bunch of commotion behind me. And I looked behind me and all the fans were taking video of me announcing a game, watching the Giants game at the same time. Like they thought that that was just, they were, and they were laughing and, they were like, man, are you really watching a football game? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Oh, so. Grant, there was an article uh, that Stephen A. Smith put out, uh, uh, you know, like a few weeks back. And I just read it just maybe a couple nights ago that he was saying that when ESPN had all these all these layoffs, that he could be next. Grant, do you think he really means that? Or do you think he was just spouting off what people want to hear? Uh, he doesn't mean that. He knows he's not going to be next. You think Stephen A. Smith is going to be fired over a layoff? No, he moves the needle at ESPN. He's about the only one that really does. They're not going to fire him. Well, no. Grant, you move the needle for KHDK, Grant. So you know what I mean? I mean, it's, you know, this guy has said more detrimental stuff on air than you did just by saying all lives matter, every single one. Think about that, Grant. Yeah, you know, it, it, on a much smaller scale, yes, I, I, I guess that's true. I did move the needle and the radio station, you know, I'm not bragging. This is just your truth. Hasn't been the same since. And everyone knows that. And, you know, I don't, I mean, that's not bragging. That's just factual. So I, I mean, look at all the afternoon hosts they've already had, right? Somebody told me last week that the, the last set of guys were already gone. So, I mean, I was there for 26 years every day in the same time slot, generating the most revenue for the station. And again, that's not bragging. That's just a fact. So Grant, I, mean, I, I don't know what else to say. Grant, can you tell me in your years doing the Kings games and doing the radio station, how many games and uh, radio shows that you, you know that you did, how many uh, times that you have missed work? Once. Uh, on the Kings game in 32 years, I missed one game. In 32 years, and believe it or not, it's because I couldn't get to Phoenix. Uh, I flew the day of the game, and they had horrible thunderstorms that closed the airport. We got diverted to Vegas. We're on the ground in Vegas for about 40 minutes, and the pilot says, Sky Harbor Airport's open. Uh, we are going to be you know, turning on the engines. We go out. We're next in line to take off, and the captain comes on and says, uh, Ladies and gentlemen, we have a medical emergency on board. We have to go back to the gate. And you know how long those things take. Okay. And by the time paramedics came on and all of that, took the passenger off the plane, uh, the airport in Phoenix had closed again, and we missed our window. The only thing that was good about that is the Kings were also uh, I, not on my flight, 
but a group of their premium ticket holders had an event in Phoenix that night, you know, dinner before the game, the game, blah, blah, blah. And they couldn't get to the game either. All their flights were canceled. And Ron Artest had been in LA for a medical checkup or something like that. He was supposed to join the team in Phoenix. He couldn't get to Phoenix. So I wasn't the only one, but that's the only game that I missed in 32 years. Over 26 years, how many times did I miss work? Well, again, not to brag, but in 1996, all right, I had a malignant tumor removed from my thigh on a Friday. On a Friday. Was at the UC David Cancer Center in the hospital. Uh, I was supposed to be in all week, so I told the radio station I'm not going to be able to work. I got out of the hospital on Monday morning. Right. And I went home and I'm like, I can work. And so I called the program director, Mike Ramey at the time. I go, Mike, I can do the show. He goes, Grant, you're good. We got you covered all week. I go, Mike, I can talk. It's radio. I go, I want to do the show. Can you have someone figure out a way to set up at home? They came to my house. They set up broadcasting in my room. And I actually think I only missed one day. I didn't miss many days. And I knock on wood. And I really mean this, knock on wood, I didn't get sick a lot. And so maybe, I mean, I don't know. I'm not, I don't want to, in 26 years, how many days did I miss on the radio show because I was sick? I don't know, less than 10, maybe, you know, I, I made less than 10. And if I did, it really, a lot of times wasn't because of me. It was because. You know, my kids were sick or I had to take them this or I had to take them that. I mean, those that happened. I mean, you you know, we all are parents and right. our kids. And there were there were times when, you know, I had to do something that I had to take care of with my son, Chase or son, Trent, that was always a priority. So if maybe 10 times in 26 years, I don't know. I'm just guessing. And, you know, Grant, you know, it's funny because you said earlier, you said that, um, you know, how it is like when there's kind of uh, like kind of delays about this about that uh, you know remember grant this is jerry uh the one that flew one time on a plane flying from Seattle yeah i know to vegas yeah okay and yeah. uh let me <laughs> grant, grant, let me ask you this so uh i i remember those times when i would be listening to your show and they would have other people on there say grant's on his way he's running a little bit late because of traffic or yep. you know etc yep. this and that and then you would come there and you would do your show was that from like leaving the hospital too grant no those were shows because um there were sometimes i'd have a game the night before in sacramento then the next day was a travel day the team would be leaving at three in the afternoon, but I had to be in the city to do my show that day. So I would be traveling and there were delays. There were weather problems. You know, I get in a taxi, I get caught in rush hour. Um, th- th- those were just travel situations that were unavoidable for me. I couldn't do anything about that because right. I was at the mercy of the airline. So that happened, you know, that that's, you know, that, that yeah, happened. Right. Yeah. And then even with the dedication grant that you showed that station, you know, uh, they did not, show the same support for you and it's you know what jerry uh, jerry it they you know bonneville international from salt lake city they they made their decision okay they they i'm i'm not speaking for them all right i and i and i'm also not speaking for myself 
there are a lot of people like me that go to work every day and earn their money and feel that they have an obligation to their employer. I'm not, I'm not alone in that. There are many people that, you know, bust their ass every day with one job and two jobs. And, you know, they, they, they were raised the way I was raised. My dad always said, you know what, if someone's paying you to work, you go work. Okay. If someone is, you know, wants to hire you, then you show them that they made the right decision and you go to work. My dad always went to work. My dad did not take days off. We would go on a family vacation in Maine every year, you know, to our friend's home for four weeks. Well, my dad never went for four weeks. My dad owned his own business. He was an insurance broker and he owned his own business in the city. And my dad would join us for, I think, either one week, I don't remember, or two weeks, but never, ever, ever was my dad there for the whole time. Why? Because my dad had to work. My dad had to get back to his, even though it was his own business. So right. that's just how I was raised. Jerry, I I mean, I don't know about you, but you go to work every day? Grant, I go to work every every day, Grant. Okay. And I, you know, I, I'm embarrassed. So you're no different than you. me, Jerry. You're no different than me then. Grant, do you remember sometimes that Mr. Burton Napier, uh, would he go to work when he was sick also, Grant? My dad would go to work when he was sick because he worked wow. uh, in an office with just him one secretary, uh, and his sister. Uh, and so my dad also knock on wood, didn't really get sick that much. He was very healthy, but you know, now if my dad had something that he thought was contagious. No, he would not go to work. Right. I mean, he had to go on the train to work and then get on the subway. I mean, no, my dad didn't do anything that was stupid. Uh, but if my dad could work, he would work, you know, and Grant, uh, would you say that you learned your work ethic from your father? 100%. And again, the message wow. was, nice. if somebody, well, Jerry, you, you just told me you go to work every day. There are a lot of yes, people sir. that are listening right now that they go to work too. So I don't want to make it seem like I'm some great person because I went to work. <laughs> all I did, well, no, I, I'm serious. All I all did right, was sir. fulfill, all I did was fulfill the obligation of my contract, which says I work and they're paying me to work and to do my show. And I took great pride in that. And same thing with doing the Kings games. You know, think about that, Jerry. I missed one game in 32 years. One game in 32 years. All right. right. I'm very proud of that. I'm, wow. I'm very that, proud of that. You know what? Most people cannot say that, Grant. 32 years from calling the Kings games, you miss one day. And well, Jerry, first of all, most people can't say that because the, I'm in a very small group of people that have ever announced NBA basketball for 32 years. There are very few people that can say that they announced it for a team for 32 years. So, that, you know, you're not going to find that because I also achieved that. So, uh, but, but, uh, but I'm not, you know, again, as far as going to work, Jerry, it's not a big deal to me. I got, I, all I did was do what I was being paid for. And again, you do it. There are a lot of people listening to do it. And that's what you're supposed to do. If someone's paying you to do a job, then you do your job. Right. And if you don't like your job, try to find a job that you do like. But there right. are other people that, Jerry, that don't like their jobs, that hate their jobs, that get up every morning don't want to go to work and they go to work. Why? But, because that's their job and they get paid for it. I love and, my job. And because I love they going do, to work. And because they do that because they have a family that they need to think about. Not because you hate your job. You go yes. there to pay food yes. and rent yes. for, for your family. Yes, that's correct. It's called life. It's right. called doing what you have to do to survive. It's called doing what you do to have to take care of your loved ones. And listen, Jerry, I hate to say this. You know this and I know this. There are millions and millions and millions of people all over the world that hate their job. They hate it, but they go to work every day because that's how they make money to support their families or themselves. 
you know, and listen, I always talk about traveling around the world. Okay. And when I go to Asia, particularly the work ethic of the people like in Thailand, okay. The work ethic of the people in Thailand is unlike anything I've seen. Okay. They work, they, if they make, if they make, now think about this. If they make 10,000 us dollars a year, that's a really good salary. They right. work six days a week. Okay. Six days a week. Oh, many people work. Many people are working 14 hour days, six days a week, making, um, three to 500 bot a day, three to 500 bot a day, Jerry, just to give you an idea. All right. If you times that by a month, that comes out to, wow. I mean, less, less, less than a thousand dollars a month by, by a mile. Yeah. All right. So, wow. you know, again, but, 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 so Jerry, that work, I think we're spoiled. And I think that, you know, and again, I not now people are going to do, you're getting political and no, I'm not getting political. <laughs> our government, our no, it's a fact. Our government okay. was paying people not to work. All right. I had friends and right. I'm sure you did too, Jerry. I had friends that were owned car dealerships and restaurants and um, needed labor. They couldn't find labor. You know why? Because their employees were making more money to sit at home on their ass than they were to go to work. I mean, think about all the businesses that couldn't find people to work because employees were taking the money from the government instead of going to work. You know, I mean, where else does that happen? Name me, name me one other country in the world where that would happen. Okay. Wow. Grant, you know what? I mean, it's, Uh, it's the truth, Jerry. Right. Yeah. Grant, that is, you know, the total truth, Grant. And now, you know, Grant, that we brought up Mr. Mr. Napier, your father, uh, Grant, when are you going to do some more stories about him? Because you know what? I can listen to those stories all day long, my friend. Well, you know, I, I don't know what else to say about my dad. My dad was like, you know, I, I couldn't have had a better role model than my dad. And the one thing I will always remember about my dad, our lacrosse games uh, uh, during the week started at four o'clock. And my dad worked in the city and it took him from the time he left his office to the time that he got off the train in Syosset on Long Island in terms of walking to the station, getting on the train, it was about an hour and 20 minutes, okay? And so my dad commuted to work every day about an hour 15 to an hour and 30 minutes, roughly, okay? Four o'clock, okay? Uh, there was a area of, the, we had huge fields at Syosset High School, and there was an area in the corner where you could park and walk onto the field, which was the closest part to where the train station was. And I kid you not, I would be lining up to start the game. Game has not started yet. And I'd look and up, there's my dad walking across the field in a very wow. fast pace. My dad had a bad knee from college football, so he couldn't run. But my dad had a gait that was fast. He could walk fast. And there's my dad, you know, in his suit, all right, and walking across the field in his suit to come watch me play. My dad never, ever once missed any game that I ever played in as a child. And my dad actually one time had a bad, 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 bad injury where he almost died. He walked through a plate glass window that didn't have any tape on it and he thought that the door was open 
and he almost bled to death. And had there not been a doctor checking into the hotel that he was at, he probably would have. And my dad ended up coming to a game on a Saturday, had assistance getting into a wheelchair, and then they he had to have his leg elevated, and they made a makeshift type of a bed on the sideline so he could watch my game. My dad never missed my games. Never. Grant, somebody told me this, Grant, and I don't know. How do you feel about this? Somebody once told me that nobody ever really dies as long as you remember the good times. Do you believe that? I've never really thought of it. So you're asking me something that I'm thinking about for the first time. But, yeah, I mean, your memory is a very powerful thing. And so, yeah, makes a lot of sense. I mean, I think about my dad all the time, just like you do. I mean, anyone that has loved ones. I mean, do you go a long time without thinking about your loved ones? I I don't. I mean, I I, I think that's very uh, natural. And, you know, Grant, uh, my mom died in 2017 from a heart attack. My dad died in 2020 from bone cancer. So three years, I lose both of them. And I think about them every single day. When I'm outside doing yard yep. work and I'm on the lawn, I hear a certain song come out because I blasted my yep. radio out there. And, you know, I shed a tear. I mean, some people do it differently, Grant. And uh, you know what? I mean, I miss them every day, those talks. I miss it every day. Yep. Well, it's light, Cherry. And uh, again, all of us lose loved ones and right. friends, and uh, it, it is part of life. But I've enjoyed this call. I got a lot of people that I want to get to. You have a good weekend, buddy. Grant, you do the same, sir. Thanks for taking my call, Grant. Appreciate you. Take care. But again, to wrap that up, I'm, I, I've never patted myself on the back for going to work. I don't think people should ever pat themselves on the back for going to work. That's what you do. That's your job. You know, <laughs> you, you do go to work. Someone's paying you to work. You go to work. You don't look for the easy way out. I never look for the easy way out. And I, th- I think a lot of people are like that. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Stress. We all have it to a degree, big, small, but I think you can agree we all carry around different stressors. Most of you know what I've gone through the last four years, complete career change, moving across the country, filing a lawsuit, being in the news often, dealing with all of that, trust me, has not been easy. And if you keep things bottled up, it can really have a negative impact on your life. Therapy is a safe space. You get things off your chest. You can figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills. You can set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. And you know what, folks? It's not just for those who have experienced major trauma. Hey, if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's online. It's easy, convenient, flexible, and it's suited to your schedule. All you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, switch therapist anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Grant today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash Grant. All right, John, how are you today? John, you there? All right, we got a connection problem with John, so why don't I move on and get to uh, Ryan in Sacktown. What's up, buddy? Nothing much. How are you doing, bud? I'm good. Good uh, conversation with Jerry. Um, I just wanted to add one little thing to that. I thought signing bonuses were exclusive to um, – professional athletes uh local gas station signing bonus to get hired there 
that's how, how that? bad it it's how bad it is. They're doing signing bonuses, that? full, you know, four hundred one k just for an hour to hour job because how about a that? lot of people are getting paid that? more to stay at home. Yeah, how about that? Right? Yep. Unbelievable. So, weird times, indeed. Oh and uh, to Jerry's other point, talking about Stephen A. Smith possibly being let go. Um, seemed like a perfect transition to bring up the deal that ESPN struck with Penn Entertainment. Uh, did you hear about that? Yeah, I did. Yeah. Uh, Dave Portnoy bought back uh, Penn Entertainment. So he owns 100% of Barstool Sports and then Penn Entertainment in a betting, right? I mean, I, 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 as far as what they did with ESPN, I'm less knowledgeable than what Portnoy did with, with that company. But go ahead. You can fill me in. Yes. Yeah, so um, ESPN, it's a $2 billion deal where uh, it's basically ESPN, or I should say Penn Entertainment can use all of ESPN's logoing on their sports book. They can use all of their analysts on any of their programming. It, it's basically like ESPN is opening a sports book, but they're not because Penn's running it. Okay. Understand. Okay. Yeah. So. All right. It it just seemed a little bit um, kind of one foot in the water when you really got both legs in at this point with making a commitment like that, especially towards uh, gambling, which we talk about all yep. the time. Yeah. And again, I I don't have any problem talking about gambling. We should. It's prevalent. It's here to stay. It's not going anywhere. I like to talk about you know the impacts of gambling and what it's going to be like on the young generation right now and what's the domino effect of all of this are people going to be able to gamble responsibly which i'm all for and i have no problem with that and i i don't want to be a hypocrite i've promoted gambling sites over the years and i will continue to do so if uh, if it if it makes sense to me i mean if i don't talk about gambling it's not like people aren't going to gamble people are still gambling so i have to be you know um in tune with that but i i i just wonder Ryan, you know, what's it going to be like 10 years from now or 20 years from now? Are we going to have a whole bunch of compulsive gamblers in this country? Are we going to have people that went from being, you know, uh, occasional gamblers to compulsive gamblers where they lost their homes, their cars, their wives, their families? I mean, that happens. You know, I mean, let's just call it the way it is. I just wonder, you know, what what's it going to be like? And I want I also when I talked about this, you know, how many 18 year olds, you know, and, and younger uh, uh, people particularly, you know, get caught up in that and, and get caught in quicksand and can never get out of it. And then that leads to drugs and other, I mean, it's the studies are there. It's been proven. I mean, it's right there. So those are the things that, that concern me as it pertains to gambling. And you and I have talked about this. We have, I haven't even gotten into all the players in the NFL that are getting, being caught and being suspended because they were caught gambling. So, Ryan, you know, are we naive to think that that's not going on in hockey, baseball, and basketball? I mean, it has to be, aren't uh, there? Have to be players right now that are shaking like a leaf, going, "Oh my God, I'm praying that I don't get caught for what I did last year." You know? Yeah, I think, Grant, it's safe to say we have a large enough sample size at this yes. point to to make an assumption that it's going on widespread across the leagues, and you yes. know, some guys do it smarter than the others. But at the same time, there's going to be a paper trail that tracks back to you at some point. And just college, there was three guys from, I believe it was Iowa State or Iowa, 
that just got deemed for betting on their own games uh, last season. Yep. But to answer your bigger question about what it's going to be like in 50 years, I feel like we're headed down the road where you can't have one without the other. Like you've got, if you're watching football, it has to be with a bet or you can't bet without watching football. I, I feel like that's the yep. way we're going because it's going to be yep. so convenient to do. You're going to have so many different options at your hands. Now that ESPN's a part of it, you know, are we yep. going to have Mike Chirico yep. saying, oh, you know, the, the over-under is 46. And if they do, you know, like in just giving us gambling, you know, commentary more or less. Well, it, it, from- it, it happens now. It happens now when you watch games. They put it up on the middle uh, on the screen in the middle of the game and tell you what the over-under is or they or what the odds are and blah, blah, blah. And they, so they do it now. Yeah, it is. It is heading that way. There's no question. And, you know, you and I have talked about this. What was so interesting is for years and years and years, we'd go to the NBA meetings in New York and all of us would be lectured about gambling. David Stern, was, I mean, he'd come in and talk to us. And then all of a sudden it shifted to where you could never talk about gambling on the air, couldn't mention it, couldn't partake in it to now where... Gee, we're being brought to you by DraftKings, or we're being brought to you today by FanDuel, or we're being brought to you by Cash Creek Casino Resort, or you get my drift, right? Yeah, it, I mean, absolutely. It, it went it, it went from like a dark, dark space. Oh no, gamble! Oh no, 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 no! Don't even mention it on when you're doing a game. Don't mention it. Don't even reference it to like where. Gee, we're now being sponsored by it. So yeah, there's been a completely 180 degree shift in this. Yeah, and that that slow burn that we saw um, over that time period to where we are now, you think about the explosion with the DraftKings and all the other same-day sites that are all over most of the leagues. What's that going to be like 10 years from now? Because you know the money's going to be coming in on this on both sides, so it's going to get even more and more. I think it's just the tip of the iceberg. I think you're going to be able to walk in the – I think you're going to be able to walk in the stadiums Go to a kiosk and bet right there at the stadium. That's what I think it's going to be. I I could completely see that. So it, it's just interesting. But I, I do want to see and I think how this will be handled with ESPN and how far, how much involvement they have. $2 billion. Yep. So that's a lot of money. Yep. Um, I think it's going to be like, I think it's going to be like going to a horse track. I think it's yeah. just going to be like going to a, a a sporting event like football, baseball, or hockey. It's going to be like going to the racetrack. That's that's the scenario that I see. Yep, I'm right there with you. You got to have one with the other. So yep. yep. Anyways, all right, bud. Have a great rest of the Friday, and everybody else up there too. have a great day as well. Take care. Bye bye. All right, let's move along, and uh, we say hello to Zach. Zach, what's going on today? Hey, Grant, I have a question. When it uh, comes to the Christmas games, like I'm not uh, really upset about the Kings not being on Christmas. I mean, it's like I thought it was kind of a long shot. But, um, I mean, I don't understand, like, why over the the years, like, teams like the Knicks and Lakers have been on the Christmas Day schedule when they've had, like, trash teams, like, through, like, you know, the mid. Because the Knicks are Madison Square Garden. They're Broadway. It gives the network a chance to show – you know, uh, Rockefeller Center with the Christmas tree, and New York's one of the most special places on earth during Christmas time. And so it looks good on TV. It's Madison Square Garden. 
And you're right, the Knicks have not deserved to be on Christmas Day calendar, but they're on every year. And it's because of Madison Square Garden, New York City, and all of the um, the, the video that the network can use to show the holiday spirit. That's why. Uh, what do you think about Dallas? I mean, I don't know. Dallas is just the kind of one team right now that is kind of... Luka Doncic moves yeah. the needle. That's yeah. why. The NBA is not about teams. The NBA is about stars. The NBA has never promoted teams. The NBA only promotes the stars. And Luka Doncic is one of the stars of the league. That's why. What uh, What do you think the Kings have to do this year to get like a Christmas game next year? Um, just do what they did this year. You know, right. evolve, make it to the second round. Gotcha. All right, cool. That's all. All right, have a good weekend, buddy. Bye-bye. All right, let's move along. We get to uh, Connor on this Friday wrap-up show. Hey, Connor. Hey, Grant. How's it going? Good, buddy. Yeah, I just kind of wanted to follow up with the Christmas games. I think you hit the nail right on the head. It's all about the big markets, the big names, not necessarily the great basketball matchups. It's more about what's going to bring in the most revenue, what are the flashiest rivalries. That's basically all it is. Yeah, the matchups are pretty good, though. Celtics-Lakers, good matchup. You know, uh, the Mavs and Suns could be a good game. Uh, the Warriors-Nuggets, good matchup. I, I don't have a problem with the matchups this year as much. But, you know, it's all the marquee players, okay? I mean, you know, Miami wants Jimmy Butler on there. Uh, you know, you got the Celtics with all of their stars. The Lakers with their stars. You got, you know, arguably the best player in the league in Giannis Adetokounmpo with Nikola Jokic, those two best players. You got Curry. You got Thompson. You got Draymond Green. I mean, you know, it's got – you have Kevin Durant. It's all the stars. Absolutely correct. Yeah, and you and Ryan just kind of had a conversation about gambling, and that made me think of this story with Phil Mickelson. I don't know if you saw it, but oh boy, pretty yep. alarm. I don't know if he like broke any rules or or if it was just like I don't think so. Gambling. I have a friend that is a big time gambler. Okay, big time, and he has been with Phil Mickelson and knows Phil. And told me years ago that Phil was a heavy-duty gambler, like heavy-duty. And I'm like, you're kidding me. He goes, oh, no. He goes, he is a big-time gambler. So I've known about this for years. Yeah, and I think the little report that came out a couple days ago said over the last three decades, he's lost over $100 million dollars. And he, the one thing that's alarming, he said he tried to bet on a Ryder Cup game that he was playing in. I mean, obviously, that can't be allowed, right? No. I mean, that, that's – that. no. Now, Phil completely denies that. He's come out and said that's completely untrue. Yeah, and the other thing said that he made 43 bets for MLB games in one day. So, obviously, he's hardcore. He's a compulsive gambler. No, he wasn't more into it. It's called compulsive. Phil Mickelson – Okay, let's just call it the way it is. Uh, and I don't know if he still is. Apparently, no. Was a compulsive gambler. Like alcoholism, like drug addiction. That's what he had. He had a gambling disorder or a gambling disease. And he has gone for treatment and has rectified that part of his life the same way that an alcoholic will go to AA or what have you. 
That's what he's done. He's been pretty open about it too. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. It's no, it's not. Listen, it's no, it's no laughing matter. Even when you have the type of money, Charles Barkley, same thing. I mean, I listen. You know, I've watched Charles gamble in public before up at Lake Tahoe. Anyone can. You know, it's open. It's for the public. And I've, I've, I've actually been with Charles. Okay, and Charles probably would not mind me saying this because again, anyone could have seen it. I was with Charles Barkley at the casino in Tahoe with him, talking to him, next to him, again, with him, okay? He lost $600,000 in 45 minutes. I couldn't, I, I, I had to walk away. I couldn't watch it anymore. I watched wow. it. I was with him. I was talking with him, okay? Think about that. He was playing two hands of 20 grand each on the blackjack table. When you gamble 20,000 each, you can lose $600,000 in a couple of minutes. Doesn't take long. A bad run, a bad shoe, and you're out. So, again, the reason why I'm saying this publicly is because anyone could have watched it. It was in a public place. You know, hadn't that been in a private room, I would never have shared that with you. But I, I think I'm okay to share it because, again, it was in a public venue. But I was talking to him with him while it was going on. And I could not believe it. Yeah, I couldn't even imagine. That must be a pretty crazy thing to witness, it's especially in person. Horrifying. It's horrifying. It's just like, oh my God. He just lost my house in 45 minutes. You know what I'm saying? Like, or I mean, think about what you could do if somebody right now walked up to you and handed you six hundred thousand dollars. Right. If you if you were smart with your money, you'd be good for the rest of your life. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. I mean, the the amount of money, it makes me think of Michael Jordan and how huh. he was always a big gambler. And especially in Tahoe, I'm pretty sure I heard stories that didn't he go from gambling with everybody like you talked about with Barkley to yep. kind of going yep. to. They like had a private room club. for him. Yes, yeah. they they had a closed off area for him because I used to see him. You could see him, but you couldn't see the denominations on what he was gambling. Yeah, they put him into a private room after that. You're 100 percent correct. 100 percent correct. Yeah, and kind of switching topics, but I wanted to bring this up. Just talking about the MLB a little bit. I don't know how many people are talking about this, and obviously everybody knows who Sho- who Shohei Otani is, but I mean, what he's doing this season is. I don't think we've ever seen before. It's unbelievable. He's over 300. He leads the league with 40 home runs, and he's throwing a 3.1 ERA. That's just that's just magical yeah. numbers. It, it's it's um, it's he's in a class all by himself. He's in a class all by himself. Yeah, and it's a shame that a, with a player like that, to I mean, everybody would love to see him in the playoffs and. Hopefully he makes a move in the offseason so we could see him soon. Yeah, that would be great. Connor, you have a good weekend, buddy. You too. Thanks for having me. Take care. Good stuff from Connor as always. And that wraps up a really fun week. Don't forget coming up on Monday. All right? Iron Eagle, 10 a.m. Pacific, Monday on, if you don't like that, over on YouTube. Have yourself a great weekend, everybody. We'll talk to you Monday. Bye-bye now.